Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at ISBI360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Once again, here at the Crowdmakers on the floor of the ALSD conference here in Las Vegas, Jose Irby is indeed the man of the uh, essentially, I want to make sure and get this right, this is correct, the CMO and Senior Vice President of Business Development and Consumer Events for the PBR, Professional World Riders. Yeah, man, I'm still trying to figure out what I do for a living each day. I just <laughs> I just like all the titles and the words that go along with it. <laughs> it's my privilege to have you on the program. Let's go back, if, you, if I may, to that moment in time where you knew that things were not going to go back to normal right away. In PBR, this was a very important issue to you, as you just mentioned in a, just a bit ago in your, your address here to our crowd here at ALSD. Uh, where were you at the time? When did you realize this was going to be something that would be more serious than just a passing thing? And what bring us through that moment. I mean, actually for us, it, it actually started well before that, that infamous Friday, March 13th. We kind of had an inkling of this in, in January of the year because... We, we felt that we had some illnesses that were all related. We just got out of New York. New York was a hotbed. And so we were kind of getting, getting our head around it. But it really didn't come to fruition or come to a head until we hit Duluth, Georgia on May, I'm sorry, on March the 13th. And we were sitting there in Gwinnett doing, getting ready to do a show. And the guidance at that point had basically reduced it to like 250 or less. We had 136 people on staff. And we realized that we can do it and stay under the guidance, but we couldn't have fans. So we made that that choice to just say we were going to proceed without fans, and it ended up working out for us. Um, and, you know, after that, uh, we went back. We sat around at a table for a minute, and we said either we can do one or two things, and one was not an option. Either we can wait for someone to tell us what to do, or we're going to figure out a path of our own and, and take that pathway forward. And that's what we did. And, and, and we take pride in the fact that, over the last 18 or so months, you know, I, 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 I take pride in the fact that we're a beacon of hope in the industry because a lot of people just couldn't do it. Either the league shut them down, they were in a bubble, and here we were saying, no, we're going to figure out a way. We're going to figure out a way to take care of all of our stakeholders, which is our fans, our partners, our riders, our stock contractors, our employees. We want to make sure that they get to do what they like to do. For some, that's entertained. For some, that's to be entertained. And we want to make sure that we were a conduit to make sure that happened. Well, you were such a forefront, uh, just a, a leader in the industry in doing that. And I know you didn't do that on purpose, but you ended up becoming kind of a beacon for others. Your first event after it was announced that COVID was there. Bring us through what was necessary in order to pull that off. Wow. So 41 days after we, you know, the world basically came to a screeching halt, we uh, we went to Oklahoma, and and so what we what we had to end up doing was 
we had to create functional groups no larger than six. So we basically at any given time where our product, you would never ever see more than six people together. They lived together, they stayed in the same quadrant together, and those people operated as a unit together. So we knew that if someone was to get infected, it will only impact those six, and we made sure that we had redundancy for those people so that we can do that. We then made everybody drive in this first iteration of Oklahoma, we made everybody drive RVs. And so we all show up to the Lazy E Arena. Everybody had their own RV. Six was in this pod, six was in another pod, six was in another pod, and you never could go into another pod. You had to stay in your pod until it was time for you to carry out your functions. So for example, we had a set, of, a, a set crew for cameramen, and then we had a backup crew and just one of those went down. We wanted to make sure that the show could never stop. We had a group of riders, and then another group of riders, and then a group of alternate riders. We had to make sure that there was redundancy everywhere, and we wanted to make sure that we could limit any exposure. So we did this for about a month, and it's only so long that you can keep guys cooped up in RVs in the middle of Oklahoma for, before they got to find something else to do. So we took that same philosophy, same groups of six, um, um, but we brought it to South Point Casino. And, and hotel and casino, and we did our event there. But same things. The guys were limited to certain floors, but at least now they can sleep in the comfort of a bed versus an RV and get a shower every day. I'm not saying they didn't take showers, but boys will be boys <laughs> sometimes. And so it made it, it made it a lot more pleasurable for them to be able to spend a month together to do that. And while we were in Las Vegas, we were already kind of thinking that, hey, the fans need to be a part of this. There's no reason they should be punished. And so we started putting together plans. We wanted the first groups. I never forget, I introduced pod seating, and now it's like the bane of my existence because, you know, we're going back to some buildings. They're like, yeah, we got this thing called pod seating. I was like, no, man, we started it. We can now, it's either 100% or we're not coming to your building anymore. I'm done with pod seating. And so we, we had to go through painstaking steps throughout the last 18 months to basically get our product in front of the people that deserve it and allow for our product to pay the people that that, that, that want to do what they do. The country was starved for sports, and you were the first to bring it back. What do you think that has done for the popularity of PBR in general? 20, our year-over-year our, our year stats from 2020 to 2019, we bucked every trend. It's every sport decline in television ratings, we grew by 8%. Our social media went through the roof, and, and, and we made a couple of dollars as, as a process. And so we were ecstatic about you know, what we were doing from a live event industry. We, we were excited about being that beacon of hope, and we took pride in that. You know, It wasn't about trying to be braggadocious. Candidly, we just felt it was the right thing to do for the industry. We could have easily said, hey, let's not put anything at risk. We're just going to shut it down, put a couple of people on furlough, and, and try to just take our lumps. No, that's not the cowboy way. We were going to figure out a way to make sure that our people, once again, could do a hard day's work. We were going to make sure that we helped out people in need. And we were going to make sure that we were first to do it because if not, nobody else would at that time. And so it just happened to be a, you know, at the right place at the right time, unfortunately and fortunately, I guess. Yeah. You coined a term called cowboy safe at that time to be able to personify the way in which you wanted to perceive or you wanted people to perceive PBR and essentially the sport in general. Tell us a little about how you came to that. So we had the Be Cowboy Safe program. It, it started out as like the 17-page document that we were sending. We had to send to get approval from local health ordinances. And then as we started to grow our ambitions, this plan turned from 17 pages. So I think the last count was like 67 pages. But we planned for everything. We, we, we studied 
everything that the fan can come in contact with in a venue to make sure that we can solve for it. For example, we required that the, the venues did not uh, uh, use, they had, they had to use magnetometers, but they had to use handheld versus the magnetometers uh, where you have to put your stuff in the bucket to slide it through because we felt that if it went into the bucket, that it, they can come into contact with somebody else's bucket and we got to do that. So we, we eliminated that. We made, we made sure that all of the doors were propped open so they didn't have to touch doorknobs. We made sure that when we did our pod seating that we never had an opportunity for the fans to overlap with one another. So if you were in the high side, you had to go down one side of the aisle. If you're in the low side, you had to go down the other side of the aisle, and the ushers had to direct you in those ways. We thought about everything from when our, when our staff and how they arrived to, to how we test them. Like, for example... I have been for the last 18 months testing for COVID every two days. I've taken more COVID tests than the law should allow. But it's what I need to do in order to keep our industry moving, and it's a sacrifice that I'm willing to make. But that is a painstaking thing that's part of our plan because we had one commitment. I mean, I'm sorry, we made one goal, and it was our commitment to achieve this. We didn't want to take COVID to a market or bring it with us to another market. And so we were, we were really we were really serious about making sure that we can adhere to that promise. How many people have reached out to you saying, we'd like to have a PBR event in our market since the pandemic? You'd be amazed. One, um, a lot of buildings were just starving for content and their primary tenants, either hockey, baseball, or whatever was shut down. So they were like, hey, we would love to try to work with you guys and figure something out. And, and we have played some new buildings as a result. You know, Ocala, Florida, we've been to the Rio, Texas, we've been to Pecos, Texas, and we're looking at new buildings that we will play because they now see us, they understand how serious we are about the craft that we do. And I'm excited about it. For the first time in a long time, I'm not, I'm not having to call and beg somebody to put dirt on their floor. They're <laughs> welcoming the dirt to their floor. That's so great. Describe your ticket sales operations. How does it work? How, is there a central location for that? Is there a, does each event then host their own ticket sales effort. Describe that for us. We're, we're pretty much O&O. So we book a venue, typical venue. We book a Staples Center, Madison Square Garden, and we'll typically use what we call host sales, which is a venue sales. We'll use their center for that. And then conversely, we actually have an in-house PBR tick sale. I have a staff of about nine now that all they do is outbound and sell our tickets uh, for every of every show that we have available. That's their job. They also handle customer service. And so we're like any typical traveling promotion where we're going to use the venues, Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, Access, all of the great ones. I love you all equally. <laughs> or we actually use our internal system as well. That's great. As we wrap this up, Koshay, have you seen or do you think this moment in time has allowed perhaps sports in general or venues or entertainment to really look at themselves and reinvent themselves in some way? Is there a window of opportunity here that we should not get away? I think that if you, if you haven't used the last 18 months to reinvent your experience, you are now 18 months and in our years, probably three years behind. Meaning, Everything from digital coin transaction to, to HVAC solutions to ingress egress patterns to how you send uh, digital tickets to how you allow for transfer of tickets to allow for email correspondence to allow for shaping the driveway to driveway experience in this day and age. If you haven't tried to reinvent that experience for the consumers and just think, oh yeah, okay, we're back. We're going to turn on our lights, open our doors and X number of thousands of people are going to show up. You're behind. And that's unfortunate because a lot of people sacrificed through this time. And I think it's, 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 it should be required 
that you pay homage to, to the industry that we all love, but to also to those people that suffered to innovate. And if you don't, shame on you. Well, it's been our privilege to have you here. Koshe Irby, the CMO and SVP of Business Development and Consumer Events for PBR, the Professional Bull Riders. You've been a gentleman and, and so privileged to be here. Thanks for being on the Crowdmakers today. Thank you. If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast, and we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep the Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on the Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. And the executive producer of The Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Gertine. Until next time, thanks for listening, and so long for now. This is The Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.